0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool, come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Former FBI agent John Guandalo, a a counterterrorism expert, is standing by to discuss the threat of a radical jihadi terror, the recent massacre inside the, uh, the nightclub in Orlando, of course, and also we'll touch upon the missing 28 pages from the 9-11 report and uh, whether or not uh, the U.S. government has been covering up the Saudi role in 9-11 these, these last uh, 15 years. Uh, Ian. Ian. Robertson, my uh, rockabilly friend and technical producer, is off for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we have the very capable and talented Jamie on the uh, the board tonight. Uh, please get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. That's your landing page. And from there, you can check out the radio page for this program. Uh, the radio page has all sorts of uh, great information about the show, including this week's show info, links to guests' website, uh, their websites. Uh, you can become a member of... Uh, uh, the book club and so forth, and you can do that by clicking the blue member button at the left-hand side. So click on the blue member button on the left-hand side, and that's uh, how you register. It's fast, it's free, and again, it gains you access to uh, member-only areas of the website, uh, like the book club that I mentioned, the audio archives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then uh, there's the TV page, of course. I just mentioned Season 4. All right. Uh, the recent horrific massacre at a nightclub in Orlando in which uh, a gunman killed 49 club patrons, many of uh, members of the uh, the gay and lesbian community in Orlando. Uh, the gunman, Omar Mateen, pledged his allegiance to ISIS during a 9-11 call with, while he was on his bloody rampage. Now Mateen was born in New York. His parents had emigrated uh, from Afghanistan. His father is reported to be a, a supporter of the Taliban in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, now, there are reports that Mateen himself may have been uh, gay, according to a number of witnesses. He was a frequent patron at Pulse. He had posted his profile on a gay da- a dating site. So, uh, a lot of speculation going around, but it's, it's interesting to note that back in April, a visiting imam at a mosque in Orlando, a guest speaker, stated uh, that the penalty for homosexuality, according to Sharia law, must be death. This Imam actually uh, made the statement that it is the compassionate thing to do, if you can believe that. Uh, that the uh, again, that according to Sharia law, the, the the penalty for homosexuality must be death. This was spoken at a ma- mosque in Orlando, and uh, of course we had the the terrorist massacre uh, in San Bernardino back in December 2015. 14 people shot by a county health. Inspector Syed Rizwan Farooq and his uh, wife, Tashfin Malik. They were uh, both of Pakistani descent. So we are going to discuss a radical jihadi terrorism for the next 40 minutes. What is it? Where does it come from? What is being to- done to defend against? John Guandalo is the founder of an organization dedicated to providing strategic and operational threat-focused consultation, education, training for federal, state, and local leadership uh, and, and agencies, in 1989, he graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. He took a commission as an officer in the U.S. Marine Corps, where he served with the 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines as an infantry platoon commander in combat operations during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. From 91 to 96, he served in the 2nd Force Reconnaissance Company as a platoon commander assistant uh, operations officer, and the unit's airborne and uh, diving officer deploying to the Adriatic and Bosnia. He served for one year as the unit leader for the CINC's uh, Extremis Force, directing reporting to a combatant commander in a classified mission profile. Uh, John was a combat diver, a military freefall parachutist, and is a graduate of the U.S. Army Ranger School. In 1996, John Guandalo joined the Federal Bureau of Investigation, serving at the Washington Field Office, and from 1996 to 2000, he primarily conducted narcotics investigations domestically and overseas. In 2001, he served as the FBI liaison to the U.S. Capitol Police investigating threats on the President, Vice President, members of Congress, and other high-level government officials. Shortly after 9-11, John Guandalo began an assignment to the counterterrorism division of the FBI's Washington field office, developing an expertise in the Muslim Brotherhood, Islamic Doctrine, the Global Islamic Movement, and a myriad of terrorist organizations uh, to include Al-Qaeda and others. In 2006, Mr. Guandalo created and implemented the first... Uh, the FBI's first counter-terrorism training education program focusing on the Muslim Brotherhood and their subversive movement in the United States, uh, Islamic doctrine, and the global Islamic movement. He was uh, designed a subject matter expert by FBI headquarters. Uh, this course was hailed as groundbreaking by the FBI's executive assistant director in a brief to the vice president's national security staff. For his efforts in 2007, John Guandalo was presented the Defender of the Homeland Award by U.S. Senators John Kyle and Joseph Lieberman on behalf of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. While in the FBI, John Guandalo received two United States Attorneys' Awards for Investigative Excellence. He's also the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation. John Guandalo, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. That's quite a resume. Uh, (laughs) Listen, I, I I want to give you a moment first because to, to clarify something. Because when if someone were to to Google John Guandalo uh, right now, they're going to come up with uh, a, a lot of these websites, and uh, you're being described. And you know what I'm about to say. You're described as you know uh, discredited or. Um, uh, you know, they talk about uh, disgraced disgraced former FBI agent John Guandalo. Uh, c- could you just take a moment and and set the record straight and from your perspective on uh, your tenure at the FBI and what led to your resignation and so forth?
1: Sure. I actually appreciate you giving me that opportunity. Um, well, first of all, I would say um, the attacks that are personal attacks are always the ones that come uh, because our enemies can't can't win an argument when it comes to the facts on the table and when it comes to what they're doing. Uh, when I present the information that I present to law enforcement or governors or members of Congress or, you know, attorney generals, uh, state legislators, uh, and I have briefed a number of former senior government officials, national security advisors to the president, FBI, CIA, DIA directors, um, there is no um, issue with the information and its validity, and the realization that the threat here in the United States is devastatingly grave, and that um, those are the facts on the table, uh, and that the groups that are prim- that are coming after me, both the left-wing Marxist groups and the uh, jihadi groups. Uh, are clearly who the evidence says they are. So I, I'd like to just put that on the table. Um, but I left the FBI in December of 2008 because I was recruited by the Department of Defense uh, for more money and a lot more freedom to operate uh, to do strategic analysis of the Islamic threat, which is why I left in 2008 uh in 2000 and mm, by the time 2004 came along i had moved over uh in in early 2002 to the counterterrorism division after 9/11 and uh by 2004 i was really struggling with uh or frustrated by the fact that because of some of the cases we were working two major cases to be specific um and I was the case agent on these two cases I'm talking about, uh, the evidence of the Muslim Brotherhood's jihadi network in the United States and that, uh, frankly, all of the major Islamic organizations are a part of the jihadi network working with Hamas, al-Qaeda, and in some cases, Hezbollah and the Iranians. Um, the evidence of that was very clear, and we had FBI cases all over the country that were linking together. And it was hard for me to swallow when I first came across it, but when I started calling other offices, what I found was that the leaders of these organizations uh, were having lunch with the leaders of the FBI offices, and that's why some of these cases were getting shut down, because the bosses were saying, these guys aren't a problem, because, I, you know, I know them well. And, um, and then in 2006, when I put together the first training um it was very well received by the people who attended it. It was a two-week training. The only one that's ever been done like that in the entire government in 2006, we did it. And I put that together and facilitated the whole training. And we had everybody from senior DOJ people, Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney's Office people, uh, and people from all the major federal agencies, state and local law enforcement from 11 different states, and uh, they spent two weeks at this course and uh, they realized the threat was significant. And it was after that course that I started getting hammered inside the Bureau because it by doing the course, it embarrassed a lot of the leadership. Uh, and at the same time, yeah, I did have my own personal struggles in 2004 and 2005. Um, but those were not known inside the Bureau until you know, seven or eight months
0: after I left. All right, John, we're going to Um, take a timeout here. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion. A former FBI agent, counterterrorism expert, John Guandalo, the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation, uh, will speak about not only Orlando, uh, any possible connections to the San Bernardino shooting in December 2015, and also we'll touch upon the missing 28 pages, which is a topic very near and dear uh, to this host, Uh, because of uh, my relationship, a professional relationship, with the late Phil Marshall, who wrote a book called The Big Bamboozle, which focused on those missing 28 pages and, of course, the 9-11 report uh, that was chaired by Republican Florida Senator Bob Graham. The 9-11 report that nobody knows about, but perhaps uh, far more important and telling than the the one that came after. Uh, Back with more of our conversation. Stay with us right here. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sality. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Former FBI agent, counterterrorism expert, and the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation, John Gwandal, was here. Let me uh, issue a a disclaimer uh, that that what we are talking about here is uh, radical jihadi terrorism, radical Islamic terrorism. And I have no doubt uh, that the majority... Of, uh, listen, uh, adherence to, to uh, Islam, n- no different in this, uh, than, than many uh, Christians or Jews. And let's face it, m- most are sort of nominal, right? We are Christians or, or Jews or Muslims in name only. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we uh, observe the, the, the rituals and so forth on the, on the important uh, high holidays. And other than that, many don't give a second thought to it. But what we're talking about here is radical jihadis or radical Islam uh, and when we're talking however about a, a religion of 1.6 billion people even a tiny minority obviously can be problematic uh, when they decide to uh, to wage war on what they call the infidels uh, and the infidels would include moderate Muslims uh, so they are being targeted um, not just Christians and, and and Jews and and Kurds and and uh, you know gay straight you name it so, that being said, uh John Gondalo, I want to get to the Orlando shooting and it has been obviously politicized uh on both sides. The New York Times had this probably the worst editorial written in uh in history, I think, when they tried to blame the Orlando shooting on Christians, the NRA and Republicans. Um, is there any mind in, in any question rather in your mind that Omar Mateen was a radicalized jihadi terrorist?
1: I'd have to ask you to clarify. I don't know what those terms mean. I, I certainly know what a jihadi is. Uh, I don't know what a radicalized jihadi terrorist is. And why I ask the question this way is um, since 9-11, we have not accurately identified the threat. And maybe in an answer, a brief answer to the question, if I could summarize the, the great issue and quite frankly, the guy who used to run uh, the irregular warfare section at the Department of Defense was on the radio on Friday uh, on a national radio program and made it very clear, uh, certainly articulated what I'm about to say, which is what I've been saying for a long time, is that the problem is we have yet to identify the threat. American war fighting doctrine has always said that when you have an enemy you identify the threat in order to do real analysis of the enemy you identify the enemy because you can't destroy an enemy or defeat an enemy you don't identify, it's not possible and since 9-11 we haven't defined the enemy, none of our national security doctrines, none of the national security uh, releases nothing has defined the enemy and that's the problem because we're afraid to identify it as what it is so when we use the terms we have to use the terms understanding that how the enemy understands them they're jihadis they, you know we call them terrorists and that's okay but they're not terrorists they're jihadis uh in in islam a terrorist is someone who kills a muslim without right so that would be us that would be our allies That would be somebody who kills a Muslim without right under Sharia. That's what a terrorist is. And the term radicalized, I don't know what that means either. I know what people think it means. Um,
0: In the sense that he was, I mean, at at least at this point, uh, yes, he did make a 911 call and, and, you know, pledged his allegiance to ISIS, and they took credit. But uh, I don't know that we've determined that he was necessarily part of... A, a, a cell or a network. So I guess what I mean was, he he took it upon himself to pledge this allegiance to ISIS and then act out accordingly. So I what I I, I guess what I mean is self-radicalized rather than part of a, a known network.
1: Okay, and so that is a great question, and and let me unpack that because what you've just gotten to is the root of why our national security leadership and organizations. 15 years after 9-11 have had little success. We lost two wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Our domestic counterterrorism strategy is imploding and our foreign policy is a complete catastrophic failure. Now, if I, I wouldn't mind debating that, I am assuming we can look with common sense eyes at what's actually happened in the, this administration and the previous administration. And we can see that the the results of the policies is complete failure, literally. And um, so what we have is the failure to understand what's actually going on. So what holds all of these things together, 9-11, the Fort Hood shooting, the Boston bombers, the San Bernardino shooters, Paris and Brussels attack, the 7-7 bombings in the U.K., the attacks in Spain, the attacks in, uh, you know, in in Africa, the attacks and all of these attacks we're seeing, are all tied together by one thing, and they all say it. Al Qaeda says it, the Muslim Brotherhood and their groups say it, Hamas, Hezbollah say it, ISIS says it, Abu Sayyaf says it, Tablighi Jamaat, and all the guys that we're that we grab on the battlefield, or that we that fight on the battlefield. And the jihadis we meet in Europe and Africa, in and the UK, and here in North America that, that we arrest before or after, like the, one of the Tsarnayas that survived, after the event, all say the same thing. They're Muslims waging jihad in the cause of Allah to establish a global Islamic state, a caliphate under Sharia, Islamic law. 100% of them say that. And if we actually, which is, this is what understanding the threat does. When we train law enforcement, we actually show them what Sharia is and what it actually says. And when we teach it, we teach the police and the military and the intelligence professionals what the Muslims teach other Muslims in Islamic schools and mosques. So we use those books and we show them. Here's a website of the mosque that's 10 miles from here, wherever we are. And here's their website, and there's a picture of the book they use, and here's the book right here. Let's break it open, and what's it say? And the reason this is so critical is what Omar Mateen did in Orlando was lawful under Islamic law, and he does not need to be part, according to that doctrine, which they say is the doctrine they're following, Sharia, Under that doctrine, he doesn't need to be part of a group. Sharia obliges in some places and allows for what's called individual jihad. There's no such thing in Sharia as a lone wolf. I don't even know what that means, I know what people think it means. But individual jihad is allowed, and that's what he did. That's what the Boston Bombers did. Now you can do that with support from outside people like the Times Square bomber. Then that's more like an operation, but it's still an individual act of jihad. It's an operation. But when you, you know, the guy who takes an axe and hits a New York PD officer in the head, screaming Allahu Akbar, or the Muslim that goes into the restaurant in Ohio with a machete and starts hacking people, screaming Allahu Akbar, or the woman in Vegas or the guy in Fremont, California... Or the guy at the University of North Carolina, all Muslims screaming Allahu Akbar, who plow their cars into people. Vehicular jihad, that's all jihad, and it's all lawful under Sharia. So the, the reason this is key and why I think your question was was really good is it unpacks. Your question unpacks the real problem, is that we're not addressing that. This isn't about... Uh, Anything else, I mean, I've seen guns blamed, I've seen Christians blamed for the attack in Orlando, but it was a Muslim waging jihad, that's what he did, and it's lawful under Islamic law, and what he did is taught in all Islamic schools, because it comes out of the Quran, and it comes out of the example of the Prophet Muhammad, who himself said, kill the sodomizers and those who let it be done to them, and he's the perfect example. So everything he does, and we can break that down the more you want, but the reality is this doctrine of Sharia is everything. It's the whole game, and it is not being taught anywhere in the Pentagon, anywhere in the FBI, CIA, or DHS, because it's not allowed to be, because the Muslim advisors, who all just happen to be Muslim Brotherhood, say that it offends them, and so we don't do it. That is, if your listeners get nothing else out of tonight's talk, that is the key, because that's why we're losing the war. And I'll just quote the uh, the gentleman, Mr. Higgins, who uh, spoke on that national radio broadcast on Friday, who ran the irregular warfare program inside the Department of the Defense. These are guys doing really amazing work for a period of years during these wars. And he said that these guys, these jihadis, these Muslim Brotherhood guys in suits, have completely penetrated the national security decision-making process to the point that the U.S. government are tools for the jihad. You know, who did, what happened? Uh, Saddam Hussein was going after and killing Muslim Brotherhood leaders. We killed him. Hosni Mubarak, the leader of Egypt, was going after the Muslim Brotherhood. We pulled him out of power. The leader in, in Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, what was he doing? Keeping it, keeping the, uh, you know, the boot on the neck of the Muslim Brotherhood. We hate, we killed him, and we're doing that. We we are the tool that they're using for their global movement. It is unreal. We, the U.S. government, funded and provided arms to Al Qaeda in Syria and Libya. That's 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 a fact. That's been you know questioned about and talked about on in open testimony in Congress.
0: Is the word sedition too strong a word here, John Guandalo?
1: Sedition. I I don't think so. No, I do not. As a matter of fact, let me put it this way. If you're you know, if if it's you, for instance, or it's, you know, my dad who's retired, or it's your neighbor, and they say, let's let's just take a a third party and they say, Well, I, I don't really understand all this, well that's okay. But if you're a Secretary of Defense or a Secretary of State or the Secretary of Homeland Security, or the Director of Central Intelligence, or the FBI, and you make public uh, comments that make it clear, you don't understand what I just said, and yet it's factually, you can't, it's irrefutable. Because we can go, because we do, and show what Islamic doctrine says, and it all says it. There aren't thousands of interpretations. It all says it. And then we show that Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and all these others, and all these individual jihadis who are being taught it in Islamic schools, rely on it to do what they're doing. And you, in that official capacity for the U.S. government, say you don't know it, or you make it clear, like they are making it clear after this Orlando thing, and have for the last, quite frankly, 10 years, that they don't have a clue? Well, in other professions, we would call that professional negligence or unprofessional conduct. However, when people are dead because of your unprofessional conduct, our law in America calls that criminal negligence, and we put doctors and lawyers in jail for that conduct. And I would put forth the argument that, that national security leadership and people with national security responsibilities should be held to the same standard. So, no, I do not believe sedition or treason or these other words are too strong because we are losing the war. Most Americans don't have a clue because nobody at that level, none of the presidential candidates, have actually articulated the threat and said, look, this is what we're up against. I believe if you did that, I believe the American people are smart enough to say, well, that sounds like a bunch of hooey, or, or to actually go, wait a minute, what he's saying actually explains everything we've witnessed for the last 15 years. It's the only thing that actually makes it make sense.
0: All right, so John, let me, see me uh, again and
1: see what happens.
0: let me step in here. We'll take another time out. John Guandalo, former FBI agent, counterterrorism expert, the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation, uh, back with more of our conversation right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Sarrett. Please stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. John Guandolo is uh, with us. F- the FBI's, uh, or implemented the FBI's first counterterrorism training education program. And uh, he is a counterterrorism expert, the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation. What you're saying, uh, uh, John, also being echoed by a, uh, a lifelong officer in the Department of Homeland Security, Phil Haney, who wrote uh, a book that's causing quite a stir as well, uh, See Something, Say Nothing. He's saying that the that law enforcement in the United States... Uh, being handcuffed in certain circumstances and in other circumstances absolutely just refusing to do basic level investigation, to employ basic level investigative procedures when it comes to uh, these uh, these terrorist acts. And uh, to it he says that he was able to draw connections between uh, Omar Mateen and, and the San Bernardino uh, shooters based on the organization's. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a connection between Orlando and San Bernardino?
1: Right, and the work that Mr. Haney did in the DHS paralleled the work I was doing in the FBI. My focus was looking at... Uh, so let me tie this together. The, the answer to your question is yes, um, because, but it's a different network. So it's interesting. It's the same network... But it's a little, it, so it's the same jihadi network. It's just my focus was the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, his focus was Tablighi Jamaat, which is simply, for your listeners, uh, without getting too complicated, it's just simply another Islamic movement, and it just comes out of a different part of the world. The Muslim Brotherhood uh, is a Sunni organization, as is Tabliki Jamaat, Sunni being one part and the majority of Islam, 90% of Islam, Shia being primarily Iran. Uh, But Tablighi Jamaat is an area, uh, came out of an area of the world, uh, um, and what their movement is is very similar to the Brotherhood, and they work together. What he noticed is these guys were coming into the country, hardcore jihadis, major leaders in other parts of the world, meeting with the senior leaders of the biggest Islamic organizations in America, which are also Muslim Brotherhood. So he started putting cases together. And what he realized was as he started looking at the networks, he was just coming at them from that angle. And so when I uh, became aware of his work, which it's probably seven years ago now, um, he, he and I saw eye to eye. But he was focused on coming from the other angle. I was looking at it from here in the U.S., the Muslim Brotherhood Network, and that's what we were uh, trying to, to investigate. Because through several investigations inside the FBI, it was very clear that the leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood Network, uh, what they were up to. And so, yes, number one, what he's putting out is, I mean, he's, he's an incredibly honorable uh man and he did in the u.s government when he just retired recently uh, i would say he was the most effective guy in the entire u.s government of all the agencies in understanding this threat and he has now written a book as you said he's out on radio and tv speaking very plainly about this um, as a matter of fact he was on the same radio station with mr higgins from uh the Department of Defense just on Friday. And so yes, number one, there is a tie there through that Tablighi system, which was these mosques in the area. But this jihadi network, uh, encompasses nearly all the Islamic centers in the United States, which that's a mosque. Islamic center, mosque, magic are all the same. So that's a little bit of a long-winded answer to your question.
0: Well, the, the other issue, of course, is th- it's a broken record. Uh, again, in the Omar Mateen case, we, we understand that he was on the so called radar, quote, end quote, of the FBI and other groups since 2013, 2014. Uh, I mean, why do we keep hearing about these individuals being on or under observation, uh, and yet they keep seeming to, uh, to slip through the cracks?
1: Well, I would go back to what I said earlier. Um, Your average FBI counterterrorism agent and certainly the leadership of the FBI, um, just based on the FBI director's comments last Monday uh, after the shooting, uh, where he still said, we're still looking for a motive. He made it clear in some of his comments he didn't understand the working relationship between the Sunnis and the Shia, ISIS and Iran. Um, and that somehow Omar Mateen's ability to say he, he uh, was loyal to the idea deals of Hezbollah and ISIS, uh, the director said, you know, there they're, they're are enemies. So obviously he's just all mixed up. No, the only one mixed up is the FBI director. Uh, you can be a jihadi and say what Hamas is doing is good, what Hezbollah is doing is good, and I think they're both awesome, and have no conflict of interest. Because Hamas and Hezbollah work together. Al Qaeda and ISIS work together. Two Sunni organizations, just like Al Qaeda and Hezbollah, which is an arm of the Iranian government, which is Shia, they work together. Iran supported the 9 11 attacks by providing Al Qaeda with explosive expertise and training uh, in Iran. And the hijackers went to Iran. So, uh, And of course, we haven't touched them. All this to say. The reason that we make such ridiculous comments about these shootings is because we don't have a clue. They're great. And let me be clear. The FBI is busting their butt. They are working very hard, long hours. If you go to FBI headquarters just to give people an insight, it is from 7 in the morning you know, to, to 7 at night. I mean, it is so much going on. And then you have an entire crew of people. That, that follow every threat coming in. And it, they're, as the FBI director said, they're overwhelmed. But you can't look, you have to look at this as being one incident in a much larger war. But you can't understand that if you don't understand Sharia. And this is a global effort, uh, which is why we just we, it appears totally clueless. So when an FBI agent who's never been trained in Sharia were to understand this, this jihadi network here in the Muslim Brotherhood, because the last time there was any training in the FBI was when I did it. That was uh, 10 years ago.
0: Okay, John, i got to jump in here. Apologies. We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll finish up on okay. that point. And then I want to move on to the missing 28 pages. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, Welcome back. John Guandalo, former FBI agent, counterterrorism expert, is uh, with us. Uh, Families of the uh, the survivors and families from the uh, 9-11 attacks pressing the uh, White House to release those missing 28 pages, heavily redacted uh, pages that were omitted or deleted uh, from the 9-11 report. Not the 9-11 commission that everyone uh, heard about, uh, the one that President Bush has... um, I think he spent more on his re-election barbecue uh, than he did in terms of funding that second uh, commission. But the first report that was co-chaired by Senator Bob Graham of Florida, those 28 pages, uh, the families of uh, the victims of 9-11 are really pressing the White House to release them. And whether they do or not, well, we will find out. But I'd like to find out from uh, John Guandalo what uh, might be in those missing 28 pages uh, and how they may be able to prevent another uh, another terrorist attack uh, on on our shores here in North America John the missing you may, you worked at 911 you were with the FBI during that period correct yes and um, now this why is why did we not hear about this most of us are not aware of that original 911 a report we all we all know about the commission that came after but not the one chaired by Bob Graham
1: well a couple things with with regards to the Saudis and I'll try to get get to these points quickly. I know you got a lot to ask about this. Um, number one is there's no doubt uh, of the Saudi involvement in in 9/11. Uh, the investigations we did, and I'm, this is not just coming from me. Publicly, other FBI agents who are now retired have spoken out. Uh, the gentleman who headed the Fairfax County Police um, Unit within Fairfax County Police, which is the only unit uh, within the D.C. area that was specifically doing very aggressive counterterrorism work, all of their leads um, were pointing back to the Saudi, to the Saudi embassy. And every time we, and we were working with these guys, uh, every time we would try to pursue some of these leads, a lot of them were getting, were get, we were getting a big stiff hand. You can't go track that one down. You can't talk to that guy. You can't do this. And this led right back to Prince Bandar, who is the Saudi ambassador. There's evidence that that monies from his wife's account, supported 9-11 hijackers. So what do those missing 28 pages say? Well, some people have read them. They're still classified. Uh, so we can't be sure all the details, but it's pretty clear that it's um, probably not helpful for the Saudis. And uh, I would think it needs to be declassified. I think the fact that after 9-11, we didn't pound Saudi Arabia one way or the other, uh, either by seizing their oil wells and saying, well, as long as you're funding the jihad, we're going to go ahead and pay for our war out of your war chest since you're, the, you're one of the main causes. And since Iran has been implicated both in the 9-11 commission report and in the, in the lawsuit, from the families of 9-11 that the evidence is clear that Iran directly supported the hijackers in the 9-11 attack. And, you know, we're now giving them hundreds of billions of dollars back uh, and treating them like an ally. So I think with regards to this question, it opens up a Pandora's box of, of issues.
0: Uh, Have you, were you, ...ever subpoenaed by the, the 9-11 report. I know that, that Graham bemoans the fact that, that uh, he and his team of investigators, these were crack investigators, they tried to subpoena uh, field agents, uh, and they were uh, routinely shut down uh, by the Bush administration and told, you cannot speak to these people. These were people in the field that were, that were following the hijackers uh that that knew about you know their whereabouts and and tracked their movements and, and so forth. Were you ever subpoenaed or did you know anyone that was subpoenaed?
1: Excuse me. Well, I was certainly interviewed by the uh, the 9/11 Commission. Uh and those inter- interviews were done by uh investigators outside of the FBI uh doing that investigation as were several of my colleagues. So yes, I
0: was uh, Prince Bandar, uh, was, his nickname is Bandy Bush, uh, because of, uh, he was, as you say, the Saudi ambassador to, uh, Washington, and, uh, he was a, a close family friend of the, of the Bush family. What are we to make of that connection?
1: Well, I don't know what we're, we're to make of it. I, I again, you know, the work I do, Richard, I just, uh, I focus on the facts. Uh, I focus on the facts, I focus on, you know, no matter what the topic, that that's what you look at and you look at objectively, what's the outcome here? And the outcome is, there is, uh, clearly, uh, the Saudis were complicit in 9-11. We had, you know, the vast majority of the hijackers were Saudis themselves. There's evidence that there was direct Saudi funding. There is testimony on Capitol Hill, uh, from members of several governmental agencies, including uh, the DEA leadership and others. So it's not just like CIA or DO, Department of Defense, like DEA and others, that the millions, tens of millions of dollars from Saudi Arabia go to fund the global jihad, the, 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 what, what in testimony is terrorism, global terrorism. So there's nothing new, and yet our public policy and our political stance towards Saudi Arabia, even after 9-11, has, has never changed. And it, it's not, for, for somebody who just looks at it from a um, perspective, an investigative perspective, it makes no sense how you, would, how you would consider Saudi Arabia an ally in a war that they're primarily funding. They and Iran are the two largest state sponsors of terrorism on the planet.
0: Uh, Julian Assange of, of WikiLeaks of uh, fame is uh, claiming that he is about to dump uh, some documents that will be very damning uh, to Hillary Clinton, Democratic nominee for president. The Clinton Foundation supposedly uh, will be it will be revealed in that document, and this has been uh, hearsay for for many years that the Clinton Foundation received. A hundred million dollars from various uh, sheiks in the Gulf and specifically m- m- many millions of dollars from, from the Saudi government. Uh, if that comes to light, I mean, how damning is that going to be, uh, for her, for her candidacy?
1: Well, that, that's a good question, Richard. And I, I gotta say, uh, as a guy with, you know, as a combat veteran marine officer, an FBI agent and the guy that worked for DOD doing this kind of work on the, the global jihad. I, I am shocked at kind of everything going on right now in some ways. Um, what she did with regard to the classified information that was on her own server, that, there are several emails that contain top-secret top SCI, which is car, uh, compartmented information that if you or I, and really, if I were to have had one transmission, I would have gone to jail for that. That That, that is, an, I mean, everybody who has a clearance, especially guys that have operated in real operational units or analysts, people that understand the sensitivity of this, and she had a number of them, and then she had lesser top-secret uh, information on that server, which we now know has been hacked by foreign nationals. So that information is out there now. That's a fact. That's a violation of law. So, and she's still not in jail. And now, so are we going to act on the fact that she was funded by Saudi Arabia, who America considers an ally, even though it's against the law? Who knows? I doubt it. The current attorney general and administration doesn't seem real concerned with the rule of law right now. So I can't imagine that she'd get uh, indicted or convicted for that. But of course she should. Anybody
0: should that does this. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a gentleman, the late Phil Marshall. He was a United Airlines uh, pilot. He wrote a book called, he wrote a couple of books, but the first was called The Big Bamboozle. He relied heavily on uh, information in the 9 11 report from, from Bob Graham. That was the gist of The Big Bamboozle, again, drawing attention to the Saudis and their connection. Uh, uh, Phil. Um, ended up, well, he was. It was a murder suicide. He um, allegedly shot his his children and then turned the gun on himself. Although there are several researchers out there who who, who find the circumstances surrounding that very unusual. After that book came out, are you familiar with uh, the Phil Marshall and the Big Bamboozle?
1: I'm familiar with the book. I've not read the book, so I can't comment on it.
0: Yeah,
1: it but be. I obviously am familiar with it situation with who he was and, and that yeah that the book was written
0: yeah I I, I met Phil in um, Santa Monica spoke with him several times uh, we had uh, email correspondence the day I found out that uh, what happened to Phil and his family horrible horrible story uh, my email thread disappeared which never happens I don't delete anything anyway I just I'll throw that out there but um, okay so um, if Hillary Clinton wins the White House, assuming she's not indicted, and and I don't know if you have any uh, FBI colleagues among the 147 that are supposedly investigating her and pushing for an indictment. Uh, Let's assume that doesn't happen and she wins the White House. Uh, What's your worst-case scenario in terms of national security?
1: Um, Well, honestly, this is professionally what I have been saying uh, to fairly small groups, but just in the last week to broader groups, is I think if she wins,
0: uh,
1: I don't believe the republic will recover. I think it's that bad. I think part of the problem of me just saying that is that uh, most people I talk to who are not engaged uh, on these issues As I wrote in my last article, by Wednesday after the Orlando shooting, this was an article I published late Sunday night, so it actually went out Monday morning, and I did interviews Monday and Tuesday on it um, after the Orlando shooting. And I, I said, you know, I think by Wednesday people are going to be back to worrying about what the Kardashians are doing and who's doing what on The Voice. And, in fact, before the end of the week, you know, we were on to other stuff. Because the you know the government says it's Christians' fault, it's guns' fault. You know this guy was just a nutbag. Excuse me, none of this makes sense. Uh, just another nutbag, another mass shooting in America. We lumped it into a big category without, again, explaining it to the American people. And quite frankly, neither I want to be very clear. I'm a national security consultant. Neither side of the political aisle uh, is showing much leadership on this at all. This is just it's catastrophic failure across the board. I think as because when I speak to law enforcement and they sit down for three days and let us lay out what's actually going on, what the jihadis are actually doing here in Europe and at the global level, I mean, they're angry, especially people that work on the JTTFs, the Joint Terrorism Task Force with the FBI. They're angry. Local and state police, angry, because they want to know how in the heck is it that we don't know
0: this. All right, John, so i got to jump in you're... here. My apologies. Yep. We are out of time. Okay. Understandingthethreat.com. Understandingthethreat.com, the website. John Guandalo, raising a jihadi generation, former FBI agent, counterterrorism expert. John, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. The website, strangeplanet.ca, that's your portal. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard As always, follow the truth.